Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here. I'm Philippa Hall, who can organise two mugs on the shelf. Talking of which... I'm Quentin Rayner, Philippa's undercover operative. And then there's the ferrets, front and centre. You lot are lovely Dumpty Dummers. Well, Dumpty Dum is the people's podcast, and on this episode we have... 15 caller innerers, WhatsApp innerers, and email innerers. We hear from Jen, whose spirits were lifted by Helen. That can't be right, surely, Philippa. <laughs> Brian, who says back off from Brad. Bernadette, who's trained her sights on Tom, poor Tom. Roz, who's loving the two minute histories. Jenny, on an unlikely hero. Catherine on feta cheese, that's short for fates and cheese. Jen again, who's not happy with Alistair. Claire from Clapham, and what makes a classic episode. Glyn, who's sniffy about Cheesegate. Globe-trotting Richard, who doesn't want to bump into Freddy. Laura, who's calling in to apologise. Honestly, no need, Laura, this is a safe space. Witherspoon, who has anxieties about Brad. We also have an email from Gadget Gurley. Plus, we have The Week in Ambridge by Suey, a two-minute history on the subject of horses in Ambridge by Stephen, a roundup of the Dum Dum Facebook group by Rob, and the three Twitter gongs, bronze, silver and gold, awarded by Purple Pumpkin. Marvellous. Now, before Quentin and I start chatting too much, let's remind ourselves of what happened this week with a roundup of The Week in Ambridge from our Suey. Hello lovely people, it's Suey here, Queen or Tart on the Twitters, and this week in Ambridge. Oh, what a week. Helen and Sausage Boy Tom showed that they continue to have the business acumen of a tin of spam. After missing the timelines to submit her cheese to Grey Gables, she attempted to do a year's work overnight making buffalo mozzarella 
with someone else's milk. She'd already been pipped to the post on that by Ardil, who has given the contract to someone else, someone who communicated with him. Ditto on the hard cheese, and sounds like also on the veg. There's only the blue cheese left. Tom attempted to exploit his stereotype view of Ardil, and they batted a couple of cricket balls around, which led to a broken pot, and Tom lying about who did it. Ardil saw right through him. Helen wants to rebrand sterling gold to Grey Gables gold. How utterly pointless. Pat was very underwhelmed. The fate poodles forwards despite the Grundies. Joy and Lindy Bottom tutted a lot and there was an infiltration attempt. The rear wilding lot don't know what's going on and apparently neither does Eddie. Brad spilled some beans over the new format and the lack of standard village fate fair. There are some planned ferret attractions coming and the Ferret Society. Mia and Chelsea didn't quite come to blows they're trying to just deal with each other to make sure that no one upsets Brad, because they both love him. Eddie failed to dodge Lindy Bottom and fessed up finally that it's all got out of hand and he can't fix it. Lindy came to the rescue. There's a clash with the date of the local food fair and that's not gone well. She is not a happy girl. Paul has returned with a speaking part again. Hurrah! And wanted Stella's dog Weaver for a photo shoot for a feature on rescue dogs. Chelsea should give him a makeover. Brad found out George's plan for number one whilst having a constitutional with Mia and confessed that he dobbed Eddie into Linda. To be honest, Linda would do well in the Spanish Inquisition. Brad didn't stand a chance. But he's gone against the Grundy Code. Mia pretty much said, well, stuff the Grundy Code. But Brad is determined to confess. George is now living with Eddie and Clary Love. I feel very sorry for Clary. Ruth took charge of Weaver while Brian was driving the combine. Stella was distracted by a conversation with Alistair about the deer and Weaver dashed off into the path of a trailer after the hare. He was rushed to the vet, still alive. They're putting on a drip to see how things go. So, quick update on Friday. We've lost Weaver. He has gone to doggy heaven. And at the same time, Eddie joshed Brad at some length about breaking the Grundy code. And Ruth cooked lasagna. Oh dear. Until next week then, my lovelies. Hope it's a good one. Wonderful, Siri. Thank you so much. So, Q, what have you been up to this week? It's been a while, hasn't it, Philippa, since you and I <clears throat> met up on the Dumpty Dum airways. But yes, I, 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 I have little doubt that we will be talking cheese on this mm-hmm. particular episode. Just got, I've just got a feeling about mm-hmm. that. And it's fair to say I'm a bit cream-crackered this morning, oh, Philippa. please. Yeah, I'm here all week. Now, I got in pretty early this, this morning after a five-and-a-half-hour drive from our beloved Cornwall. So, yeah, I, I didn't get a great deal of sleep, but here I am. But, uh, yeah, we had, despite the deluges which followed us up here to Nottinghamshire, we had a lovely time, some walks, uh, so did some bodyboarding in the sea, I saw two seals bobbing about. Met up with some family, which was lovely, including my niece, who's called Joe Hill, and she was performing at a festival where Nile Rogers and Chic, no less, were headlining. So we went to that as well and saw her and Nile. So we had a nice time. Oh, yeah, wonderful. how about you? Wonderful. Did you get to see the Barbie film at all? I haven't. No, I'm, I'm very highbrow. I went to see Oppenheimer instead, <laughs> not dressed in pink. <laughs> I, I feel it's a bit like. Bleeding La La Land, I resisted and resisted and eventually went to it and, to be honest, I was a bit disappointed. It was overhyped, overhyped, and everybody is saying, oh, you must go and see Barbie, it's very funny. 
So some good people have said it's a funny film, so I'm more inclined to go at some stage, but not dressed in pink. <laughs> uh, have you seen it? I, yes, there might be something funny on the uh, Facebook group about you and me and Barbie when the episode comes out, Q, so uh-huh. prepare yourself for right. But yeah, I've had a normal busy week, did go and see Mission Impossible and saw it in a 4DX cinema, which is oh, brilliant, yes. where all the seats move about and you have water thrown on you. Oh, oh yes. Great fun. Yes. Several people lost all their popcorn, but it was really good fun too. I would recommend Oppenheimer. It's a long old film, but I think I'll probably go back and see it again. There's so much in there. <laughs> well, that's enough about us. Let's get on to the important bit, which is you lot, our lovely caller inners and whatsapp inners. Hello, Ambridge3962. We start with our own Buffalo girl, Jen. Greetings everyone in Dumpty Dumland. Just listened to Sunday's episode of The Archers and I have to say I'm immensely cheered. I have a I have a little startup business and I have to say I spend most of my life feeling like I'm completely at sea and I'm the world's worst businesswoman, least business-like person. And then I listen to The Archers and everything is so much better. I mean, even I know the sentence that following up on our conversation from last year is really not great. That cheese contract, if she was going to go out and buy mozzarella or buy buffalo milk or whatever it might be, shouldn't she have done something about that by now? And it has been a whole year and she hasn't even tried making the stuff. Could be rank. I mean, the Mankwall cheese was pretty rank for quite a while and she's had her bad batches since. Thank goodness she hadn't gone out and bought a whole herd of buffaloes. They could be wandering around the rewilding by now. So yeah. Just a short one, but my goodness, if I thought Fallon was a bad businesswoman last week, Helen knocked it into a cock hat this evening. <laughs> oh, Jen, that is brilliant. That made me laugh so much. I mean, Helen going on about how Ardil's broken promises. He hasn't broken them at all. I had a look back in what happened. So Grey Gables closed in May. And that's when Ardil first set out what was going to happen. And then Ardil did that presentation in the hall in August last year, when there was all that silly Scottish dancing nonsense. So that's that's almost a year ago, literally a year ago, and she hasn't been in contact with him about it. I agree, Jen. It just makes Helen look even more ridiculous than I thought she was. But imagine being locked in a room with Tom and Helen. Poor Ardell. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, line of the week, he did say it this week, wasn't he, Tom, when he said, I'm going to become... Ardil's new best mate. I, mean, I tweeted about that. I mean, that is the most terrifying threat that Tom has ever made on the programme. Can you imagine it? <laughs> it's just the... I mean, Jen has d- dubbed her the world's worst businesswoman, Helen. I mean, if, if it's that important to your business, you, 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 you put on a reminder, don't you, in a calendar or somewhere that you've got to have a word with, with Ardil. I know we've got lots of cheese calls coming up so I, I won't go through all, all the points yet another Shropshire reference this week did you notice on Sunday talking to Helen and Tom in that in that meeting I have a friend in Shropshire who gets the milk from a herd of brown Swiss dairy cattle and the fat content yeah. from that is perfect for mozzarella he told them so in your wanderings around the vales and dales and hills of Shropshire have you ever seen a brown Swiss cow oh every day but the way they referred to Shropshire in this Awful. You Shropshire. No, there's nothing wrong with Shropshire, thank you very much. So, yeah, not a fan <laughs> of those troublesome two. 
I, I, I'm all for Celia, Celia Sparrow. I mean, it, we, we're, we're backing the Sparrow on this cheese contract. And they, they were awful with Ardell, weren't they? I mean, the entitled and arrogant and assuming that he could play cricket. We will get on to other themes, I know, about cheese. Yes, but thank you, Jen. And we'll hear from Jen again, won't we? We will. And now we go to Brian, who's bigging up Brad. Hello. Hope you're well. Will they leave? Well, if we leave Brad alone, poor lad, he's doing his best. And every time he meets anyone, has any interaction, he wants, they want to put him in some moral quandary. First, it was Mia and the humble antics, which conflicted with his appreciation of um, Oliver. Then you got George getting into, into trouble and then getting getting to lie to the police about it. And then, and now... Linda's strong-arming him to giving the goods on on Eddie's fake committee. It's not fair on the poor chap. Leave him alone. <laughs> and on the subject of Brad, by a very, very long-term prediction, and I doubt I should be, still be around to hear it, is uh, assuming George does mellow a bit over the, t- over the years, Brad and George will be the new Bert Fry and Joe Grundy sitting in the, in the ball having petty squabbles about things in about 50 years' time. So I'd like to think I would still be here, but I don't think I will be. So I'll leave that to future generations of Archer's listeners. So that's my thoughts for this so far in the week. And uh, keep up the good work. Nice to talk to you. Bye. Thank you, Brian. Is it called cryogenics, where you freeze your body and you hope to be woken up <laughs> in years to come? Are you suggesting uh, that? I think it's... As archers, uh, as archers, listeners, we ought to be investing in that to see if <laughs> oh if God. Brian's prediction of the new Bert Fry and Joe Grundy actually comes to fruition. He's right. I, 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 when Brad first popped up, I, I thought, oh, he's a bit irritating, and this is going to be annoying. But I've grown to really like Brad, and he's, if you like, the the moral fibre, the moral backbone of of, of the archers, certainly the, the next generation, because he's a he's a decent lad. And he's intelligent as well, and he sees through everybody's stupidity, really, but he's in many ways too polite and shy to push back. But he is bit by bit getting stronger and standing up for himself. But then he'll have this terrible sort of crisis of of conscience, and this thing with with Eddie was bizarre, wasn't it? I think... (laughs) I'd sussed Eddie was 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 pulling his leg because we've we heard him do that before, and that's his sense of humour. But I think he freaked Eddie out, and as he said to me, that you know rules can't be broken and all that. And I know Witherspoon's. We got a call from Witherspoon about this later, so we'll save a bit up for that. But uh, I, I do. I, I really wish Brad well, and I agree with Brian. Leave off Brad. Stop stop exploiting him. But I do have concerns about his his well-being, bless him. Mm. Well, Brad doesn't like large groups, likes Star Wars, and likes order, including books. Am I, am I Brad? <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh. Yeah, so leave Bra- Brad alone, Bra- Brad Hall, Brad Hall, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Brian's prediction is brilliant. I can just picture it. I mean, I do hope that Brad is in charge of Mensa and MI5 at that point in time. But yeah, I could picture it and seeing as he's probably never going to be allowed to leave Ambridge it could well be the case so yes Brian love it and now let's hear from head banging Bernadette Bernadette Hawks Archers fan 2015 
This week, my hand-wringing, head-banging, really archered, is largely based around Tom. Please don't talk to me about ferrets. What is wrong with Tom? An evergreen question. He supports Helen in a madcap approach to Adil, long after they missed the cheese submission deadline. They have no excuse for missing the deadline. It was before Rob came back on the scene. Then he cajoles Adil into a cricket session, outside the nets if I remember correctly. I can't bear to listen again, because I listened twice. He refuses to hear that Adil, who is being honest with him about his poor cricket skills, don't know why he can't hear that, but anyway, because he wants to bribe him into accepting Bodge Farm's mozzarella, which they haven't actually made. But anyway, but using cricket smacks of stereotyping. Really, well, if I did, it would be a very long one. Tom is probably at the top of this week's slap list. <laughs> Thank you, Bernadette. That is brilliant. Yes, I agree. Awful stereotyping by Tom. How close were they playing <laughs> cricket to houses? I mean, it just seemed nonsense. There are bricks subtler than Tom. I mean, Tom has learned nothing mm. this year. Drivingly to see Rob going ahead with the advert. Oh, again and again. He really is, at the moment, the most obnoxious character in the arches, isn't he? I mean, George, we all hate for different reasons. But, but, but Tom is obnoxious. I just think we need a weekly slap list from Bernadette. I really do. My top four in first place this week is Tom. Second is Helen. Third is Ruth. And we will come on to that. Really? And fourth is Alistair. So, yeah, Tom, Helen, Ruth and Alistair. That's a bit brutal. I agree with the top two, but uh, poor Ruth. I have things to say about Ruth. And I'll say, yeah, I, I, I'm glad Bernadette picked up on on the stereotype, and I love that moment when Ardil just absolutely just bowled him a, a googly and just got him out, you know, and just saw through it and said, "Look, mate, I know what you're doing. <laughs> Get knotted." So I had a little cheer for Ardil this week, who is being built up bit by bit, isn't he? We have sort of surges of Ardil, he disappears, but he's obviously a fixture. And it's Great Gables restoration. I mean, how long is it taking? This is ridiculous. It is. I think they've just knocked the whole thing down and they're building it again brick by brick and all that was ready when Tracy had a hen night was one room and they're still doing the rest of the hotel. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is stupid, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I got up and down from Cornwall and in the time I've been up and down, they built a new house. <laughs> so this, this, they're, 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 they are really stretching this out, aren't they? They're stretching our incredulity. <laughs> this is, that's nothing new. No, yeah, oh, here's the archers, sorry, what am I... It, blame it on the lack of sleep, yeah. So, yeah, agree with that, Bernadette. Tom, very much firmly on top of your slap list, which we always enjoy. And now it's time for Roz and her love of just a minute or two. Hi there, this is Roz. It's only my second time of calling in. I love Stephen's look back to the history of Ambridge. The one about the pigs was really good. I could see, remember so many things about what had happened. But I thought he missed a trick with Susan Horribin and Pinky because, of course, that was how Susan and Neil got together. It was the start of their relationship, which ended up in marriage and all the stories that we've had ever since. So that's how Susan came to have this love-hate relationship with pigs and overalls and not being a manager, which, of course, is why she was so pleased when Neil got the job at Barrow. Can I just say, I really like Stephen's little two-minute things, but I haven't heard all of them because I'm a latecomer. Is there any chance he might do a compilation that could be put out somewhere? Because it's just great, all the history stuff. And I go back a long way. So it's really great to be reminded of things that have happened. Okay, 
Thanks so much. Bye. Lovely to hear from you again, Roz. Keep them coming. Pinky, how could Stephen have forgotten? Pinky. Uh, now, I wouldn't have remembered either. And the fact that Stephen forgot is phenomenal because he hasn't forgotten anything in the arches ever since it started. But yes, the Pinky brought Susan and Neil together. Very important pig, that. Roz, we have, we have contacted Stephen on your behalf about your request. And he emailed us back saying, I'm looking at putting them up on YouTube along with a bunch of my old Dumpty Dums. If I get organised enough to do that, I'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes, but it won't be this week though. So we'll keep you posted, Roz. And uh, yep, that looks like a, a plan from Stephen. Great. It does. Yes. I think as well, Stephen, we need a history of ferrets in Ambridge. It would be highly entertaining to hear that ferrets have troubled me a lot and other things that have troubled me this week is that Helen mentioned very briefly that it was hard to pry Henry off his mobile phone this week so he's obviously sending lots of messages to Rob and also that George Grundy is going to be working at Bridge Farm or is working this week so what calamity well that of course but Ros, no that was a wonderful call thank you and it's just lovely to get the feedback on Stephen's brilliant two-minute histories and now we go to Jenny who's gone a bit left field on the heroic potential of George hi my name's Jenny Harris my message was about the George and Rob storylines and I feel that these two storylines are kind of running in parallel for a reason that is because they both kind of concern misogyny and George being at the beginning of misogyny and Rob showing where misogyny can end up. So I think that, you know, they've got those two storylines going like that on purpose, the scriptwriters doing that. And I, I also feel that maybe they're going to sort of come together at some point because we know George is the person who knows that Henry is in touch with Rob because he gave him Rob's number. And so maybe sometime in the, in the future, in the next couple of months, few weeks, Rob is going to try and abduct Henry and Jack or do something to them. And maybe George will be the person who perhaps alerts someone else about this or does something to rescue them because, because he kind of knows what's going on. And maybe that will open his eyes up a bit to the what how misogyny can turn out, the extremes to which it can turn out. And maybe, I'm hopeful, maybe George can change and won't be like that because we do know characters can sometimes change in the archers, such as Roy did with the racist storyline a few years ago. Anyway, those are my thoughts. I hope I hope you think they're interesting. Thank you. Bye. Oh, Jenny, yes, we love your thoughts. They're great. Really interesting to hear that. You might have something there. I mean, can we just talk about Linda as well at the moment? Because I just don't get Linda. She was focusing on doing the fate programme, but no concept of what was going on the fate. She'd already spoken to Eddie and he'd fobbed her off. She ignored Joy. Why then did she finally see the light? Why was Eddie suddenly being genuine with Linda. Was it just because Eddie realised when Brad pointed out that actually the fate was going to make a loss and so Eddie suddenly got Linda involved? It made no sense. It didn't feel genuine to me that there was all this sort of clunky gear changes. Mm. It was clunky, wasn't it? Yeah. It was out of, out of character because Eddie's 
contrition, I thought, was fabricated. And then I realised it actually means it, which really surprised me. Which, I mean, you know, it's quite interesting when you're surprised by a character you think you know, but it it, it didn't. <laughs> I mean, normally he's on the make, isn't he? He's, he's, he's playing people. So I thought, well, what are you up to, Eddie? But he actually sounded genuinely relieved that Linda the Cavalry had come marching in to take over again. So... That that was strange to hear that, wasn't it? Because I thought he was doing another, you know, how he was pulling, uh, dragging Brad along, pulling his leg. I thought he was doing that with Linda. And he thought, no, yes. he's serious. God, he's... And Linda didn't make him squirm. No, where was the squirm? Uh, yes. Was... Where was the superiority? Where was the yes. sneer? Where was the sniff? <gasps> yeah. So I agree with you. It was, that was a strange one. That was a strange one. But back to Jenny. She thinks that George could be the hero. I can't see it, Jenny. I can't. I mean, there's a lot of... Character development come with him. I mean, his, his, his incel proclivities are just starting, aren't they? So, and I think he's being built up as the next baddie in, in Ambridge, isn't he? So I think it's it's good that you are trying to see a, a good side to George, Jenny, but I think we're in for the long haul with this one. So I, I, I can't see him doing the, the, the decent thing unless it's to his advantage. Only if it's to his advantage. But I may be wrong. So those are the first five calls. There are more absolutely brilliant ones coming up shortly. So hold on for those. Now, if you would like to contribute to this madness, you would be so very welcome. There are three ways you can get involved. Yep. The first option is to record a message or a plot prediction by going to www.speakpipe.com slash dumptydum. Don't forget the T in the middle. The next option is to send us a voice note or message via WhatsApp on 07810 or plus four four and remove the first zero if you're calling from outside the UK. Please do keep any call to two minutes. Or finally, of course, you can email us. We have, we should have a fanfare for this, Philippa. We have a new email and you can contact us on if you would rather write to us with your views. Maximum of 250 words, please. That email address is... Thank you very much. Is dumptydum at mail.com. I'll repeat that for you. That's dumptydum at mail.com. Do bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part and contribute. Now, don't worry about trying to write all that down now as we've provided links to those three ways of contributing. You'll find those links in the show notes for this episode. They are there now waiting for you. So now let's refresh our brain cells with a two minute history on the subject of Horses in Ambridge by Stephen. This is the BBC Live Programme. Here is the news. Here is a two-minute history of horses in Ambridge. One of the very first storylines in The Archers was Dan's decision to sell one of his shire horses, Boxer, and put the other one, Blossom, out to grass in 1951 and to buy one of those modern inventions, a tractor. Boxer returned to Ambridge just once, in 1958, to pull Letty Lawson Hope's funeral cortege alongside Blossom. Ambridge was then without working horses until 2003, when Nigel bought Cranford Crystal to plough at Lower Loxley. At Christmas in 1952, Dan sold his turkeys to the Imperial Hotel in Borchester and used the proceeds to buy a horse for his daughter, Christine. The horse was called Midnight. In 1955, Midnight was in the stables at Grey Gables when they caught fire. 
Grace Archer rushed in to rescue him and was injured by a falling beam dying on the way to hospital. Midnight survived the fire. Caroline Bone was particularly unlucky with horses. In 1986 she was thrown from a horse and nearly run over by Eddie Grundy. Happily this brought her together with Dr Matthew Thorogood and they moved in together soon afterwards. But in 1990 her horse Ivor had to be put down. She bought a new horse, Rustic Oak, nicknamed Ippy, to replace him. But in 1993 he was stolen from Grey Gables and never found. And then, in 1994 she was thrown again from a horse this time ending up in a coma. Mark Hebden swerved to avoid running her over and fatally hit a tree. And as she recovered, Caroline came to realise that she couldn't marry her then fiance, the vicar and vet, Robin Stokes. All that leaves me without enough time to do more than mention Marcellus, who threw Graham Ryder in 2000, Debbie's horse Autolycus, known as Tolly, Freddy's pony Casper, and I should have said something about Banjo, whom Alice sold to Shula to cover the costs of her treatment at the Alcoholism Clinic, and Bartleby, Joe Grundy's pony, now in retirement with his friend, Jem. Totally brilliant. What subject will Stephen choose next, I wonder? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Right, let's get back to your calls. And we have Catherine, who's drawn a blank on hapless Helen. Hi there, it's Catherine. I'm laughing about the pizza thing. It was an Aldi one, Aldi stone ground pizzas. Very nice. I get a plain cheese and tomato and put some anchovies on top. Anyway, talking of cheese, this business with Tom and, uh, and Helen, they are the most hapless and stupid small business owners ever. And ever since they've got friendly again, since their row over Rob, they're more annoying than ever. You're telling me that one cheesemaker is so dependent upon a hotel that's been shut for 27 years. This has made no impact on their business at all. Yet... They're so disorganised, they haven't got any kind of internal calendar or system to remind them to bid to be the cheesemonger, I love that word, cheesemonger to the stars at the hotel. 
And then this business about teaching someone to play cricket to make them like you. I think all of most women in the country, this stereotype I know, it's exhaling at the thought that watching cricket would make anybody like you. I speak as the mother of a cricketer. But that's a nonsense and the, the whole thing. I really like Ardil as a character. I think he could be really brilliant. And they're obviously bedding him in, aren't they, because of the backstory and stuff. But this business about cheese suppliers has been ridiculous. I presume that I'm a night's caller after everybody else ranting about ferrets. My point about the village fate is around here, all the village fates happened last week in June, first week in July. I don't know if it's like a local bylaw or Wessex custom, but certainly no fates happen. Uh, you know, towards the middle of August when most people would be on holiday, which of course brings us on to something I think, was it Claire from Clapham said a few weeks ago, nobody has holidays, plans to have holidays or anything in Ambridge. It's Ambridge, isn't it? Go mad. So yeah, there you are. I'd be interested to know what the drama is going to be tonight on Thursday. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Well, Catherine has certainly been listening, hasn't she? She's been paying attention this week. As ever, a packed call. And she's right about the holidays thing, isn't she? Yes. Cheesemonger to the stars, I think, was, 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 was a standout line from that call. I love, I love that. And, you know, it, it, the, whole, the whole thing, it, as Catherine says, utterly ridiculous. Love, love the, the use of the word hapless. I, that's a good word to use. That really does sum up those two, doesn't it? I hadn't thought about the timing of the fate. She's probably right. They, they, they're, they're, probably all, they're probably all done, aren't they? But, of course, Ambridge lives in a, in a different time zone. But she's been busy this morning, Catherine, as well. She texted me this morning. She says, Morning, Quentin. Driving home near Borton-on-the-Water in the Cotswolds, and I've just seen a massive advert for the construction of Europe's largest EV charging station. I'm deep in Archer's country and thought this was interesting. I wonder if this is where the scriptwriters got it from. That's a thought, isn't it? And just to prove, uh, she tweeted this morning saying, Bidford-on-Avon is a lovely spot, apparently the spiritual home of wild swimmers. You see, the arches, you can't get away from it. Spiritual home, wild swimming, Adam and Ian. Oh, shall we get that out of our minds? So she's on the arches lookout this week, but uh, spot on as ever. Catherine, keep them coming. Yes, thank you very much for clarifying what pizza you were eating <laughs> last week, Catherine. That's good to know. I am actually helping at a fate next Sunday. So there is oh, one happening oh. at this point in time. It might be rare, but but there we are. I will be there. OK, let's just talk about cheese a minute longer. So Ardil is sourcing individual cheeses from individual suppliers. His supplier mm. list is going to be huge. He's going to have like... 20 different cheese contacts. Plus, I thought I was there as the shareholder's business representative, not as head chef. I mean, let's just think, who on earth could he hire in Ambridge with food experience who is currently available for hire? I mean, you know, is is there anyone that goes by the name of Ian? Mm. What is going on with these people? Well, he's making pizzas, isn't he? And uh, pandering to Adam. That was a great call, Catherine. Thank you. They're always first class. And now we go to Jen again on why it shouldn't happen to a vet. Greetings, everybody. Just calling in about poor old Weaver. Absolutely devastated for Weaver that it was an Alistair night and not a Yackle that the accident happened. Um, I have a problem with just about everything Alistair said. I mean, for a start, he needs to know, is this a major abdominal bleed or not? And there's a lot he could have done to work that out before walking away and leaving the poor dog with Paul to basically bleed out overnight. Yes, anaesthesia is an issue. The patient is hemodynamically unstable, 
However, there's a lot you can do to mitigate that. You can choose, you know, light anesthesia. You have a lot more control when something's anesthetized. You can support the circulation. You can ventilate. You can do all kinds of things that you can't do conscious. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. But even without an anesthetic, he could have done an abdominal x-ray. Very, very simple. Put the dog on an x-ray plate. Very, very quick x-ray. Gives you a lot of information. See if there's blood in the abdomen. Get his ultrasound machine out. The man has one. Run the probe over. See if you can see any major bleeding. Thank God he was doing some blood tests, but there's quite a lot you can do to figure out what's going on. And if Weaver did have a major bleed inside, like a laceration to the spleen or liver, he's going to have to do surgery and either make that decision to do it or put the animal out of its misery and don't leave it there all night. And then of all fluids to choose to support the circulation, he picks one which is probably most contraindicated. There are two kinds of fluid. One is essentially water, which is what he's giving, which does nothing really except for possibly increase the bleeding. Or there's another one which is like synthetic blood called a colloid. Not unusual. Most practices would have them. Low dose of colloids. Get another dog in. Get a blood transfusion done. Would have done Weaver. An awful lot more good. So yeah, typical Alistair, I'm afraid. And let's all hope that Weaver makes it. Ah, yes. And Jen then contacted me to say she also wanted to add that she hopes that it wasn't a plot to get Stella and Pip together and Stella should choose Weaver over Pip every day. Yes. And of course, that was just before the awful news of poor Weaver. I mean, my dog is fed up with me because having listened to Friday's episode, I can't stop cuddling my dog and she just looks very pained and wishes that I wasn't holding on to her all the time. But Jen, these are the facts and this is what we need to hear. So thank you very much. And Paul volunteering to do the the night watch. I mean, what is Alistair doing? But I'm sorry, I'm fine with Ruth not not being able to cook and being Ruth, but letting go of Weaver. Ruth is dead to me now. I'm not having that. She knew that Weaver was bouncing about. She took the lead from Stella. I don't understand why Stella's been so forgiving with Ruth. I mean, it's bad enough Ruth brings one of the lasagnas for Stella to have. We know from David during the lockdown monologues that Ruth's lasagna is not a gift of the gods. And why did she let go of Weaver on the lead? If she hadn't, none of this would have happened. It is Ruth's fault and I'm holding her to account. Is this your Ruth rant? Yes. Right. I, 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 my attention strayed during that scene and I didn't, I haven't appreciated the chronology of lead holding. So I didn't know Ruth was holding Weaver's lead at, the, at that moment. So, yeah, I'm... Bad Ruth, bad Ruth. That's my understanding. But Stella was very forgiven saying, well, it was a hare and, and he took off. But when you've got a, a dog who can move quickly and who is bouncing about, you sort of, you secure yourself while you're holding on to yeah. the lead. You've given the lead. Because she said she always suspected that Weaver had been you know, used for hair coursing, didn't she? I did hear that from, from Stella. Well, I mean, f- phenomenal detail there from Jen. And she certainly knows her, her onions because she is a vet, isn't she? So she knows what she's talking about. I mean, I just want to put it out there, Jen, and I knew all this already. <laughs> I mean, you really didn't need to phone in and tell us all that. I mean, I know all about colloids and blood transfusions and all that, probes. So... No, interesting. If you want an expert to listen to Dumpty Dum, we've got another expert coming up later on as well. So, yeah, Jen has banged Alistair to rights 
And good point. Uh, Jacob, it would have been a different yeah, matter, wouldn't would, it? Yeah, we would have lived to he, tell he, the tale. It's awful. Yeah. Do you know, but I, I'm lulled. I, I assumed Alistair was good as a job until you get an expert on like Jen coming say he's hopeless. Because he seems a nice chap, Alistair. He seems very benign and paternalistic and you think he's doing the right thing and he's got that nice voice and manner. And then we find out from Jen that he's hopeless. Oh, the minute he said, oh, we won't operate tonight, I thought... What? Surely if he's injured and he's got some bleed, internal bleeding, you need to operate anyway. Yes. Jen, absolutely superb. Once more, thank you. And now we go to Claire from Clapham and the ingredients needed to get your teeth into the arches. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Um, I noticed that you mentioned it was great when people call in during the week. So here I am. It's only Monday evening. Blimey, the week's hardly started. But I just wanted to say about tonight's episode in particular is that occasionally an episode comes along in which if someone was saying, oh, I like the idea of the arches, but I'm not quite sure how to get started, I would say, listen to tonight because there were some real classic scene setting, character traits and other things to enjoy. Obviously, Brad never stood a chance against the might of Linda and her organisational like moves on the fate. So poor Brad. You get a sense of poor Brad. He's trying to do his best and he's a decent young chap. And Linda knows what she's about and she knows how to get around people and she has an interest in the fate. You've got a real sense of all the mayhem of the Grundies by report from Brad. Like they book people, they cancel people, they book people. You get all of that sense of the Grundies being slightly laughable characters, although obviously... I've got a lot of time for many of the Grundies. You've got all of that. You've got Helen and Tom squabbling like siblings and also being incredibly entitled to think they ought to get all the business from the hotel just because they want to. And, and this idea that they can impress people, but at the same time being incredibly hapless business people who haven't got a clue. That really summed up a lot of that, that it doesn't take very much to outwit the Bridge Farm gang, does it? So there was just a lot to enjoy. And I just love it when occasionally when there's an episode like that and you just think, oh, that one I would recommend. So yeah, keep up the good work. I'll speak to you again soon. Bye. She's right, isn't she, Claire? Because I do re- remember... Finishing Monday's episode, thinking that was a good episode, and she has ex- she has summed it up perfectly, I think, Claire, and explained and analysed why it was such a good episode, and it has all those ingredients that she talks about, even though it had Tom and Helen in it, we we still could I- I- enjoy that, couldn't we? Interesting. <laughs> what was that? It was later in the week. I'm trying to find it. Where was it? Oh, the Grundy Code. Yes, the Grundy Code. When he was trying to wind up Brad is uh, don't tell anyone else, yeah. Listening to Claire, I, it, I, it makes me recall how I, I, I felt poor old Brad was really... She was bullying him, wasn't she, Linda? She, 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 she can be a nasty piece of work, can't she, when she wants something out of somebody. She does it with that sort of passive-aggressive approach. You can hear the... You can see the insincere smile on her face and the intense look she's giving Brad. He, he, as Claire said, he, he, he didn't stand a chance, did he? Poor chap. He, he crumbles like a cheese, if we can maintain the theme. <laughs> he did. I mean, I... The only way I could cope with some of the episodes this week, the Tom and Helen ones, was by seeing the humour in them. And Tom is so wonderfully thick. I, I had to remind myself that these this week has been written by Nick Warburton. 
and he wrote the script that they performed at Hay, and that was another one of those. If I had just heard it, like the saga of the missing glasses, I would have been perplexed. That's a, a nice way of putting it. But to <laughs> please don't, please don't remind me of that one. But to see it performed, oh. it was such fun. It had some, yeah, some real humour yeah. to it, and it just helped me to see things in a different life light. And I think they must have had such fun acting yeah. it but Claire yeah it really is great to get calls in through the week and we're really grateful for that because not only does it help us plan things it does mean we cover a much wider range of subjects. Thank you so much Claire and now let's go to Glyn who's unwrapping a floor in Bridge Farm's Brainwave. Hello Dumpty Dum it's Glyn here. I've heard all of the episodes up to Wednesday prior to this call. We seem to be getting a little bit of a quieter week, no intervention so far from Mr Titchener focus on the fate and cheesegate. And on that subject, cheesegate, I'm very much on team Ardil. Not really much of an entrepreneur myself, but I do know that if you want to sell something to somebody and they've expressed some interest, it's up to you, not the customer, to make the running. And it appears that Helen and Tom have completely dropped the ball with Grey Gables. They've only got themselves to blame. They can't, you know, claim that Ardil has made a load of promises to them that he's broken just doesn't work that way. I think also Helen admitting that she's not very good at customer relationships was a bit of an understatement. You know, that's I think also vital if you if you if you want to sell to a an important local customer. But so now they are going to rebrand for the hotel only and make packaging. When I've been to posh hotels, when they bring out the cheese board, the cheese is already unwrapped. So I'm not sure what difference it makes to the hotel to have the cheese in a Grey Gables specific pack. I'll just leave that one with you. So thank you for the podcast. Very good to hear Philippa and Katie and looking forward to hearing Philippa and Quentin next week. Bye. Speak to yours. Oh, Glenn, thank you so much for that. Yes, this cheese wrapping is nonsense. I mean, when Helen was talking about rebranding, it sounded like, you know, the, the end of the world was happening. The way she reacted was just so over the top. And yet they need to check with Ardil before rebranding and this cheese wrapping. I agree. Complete bunkum. Totally. Also, I think it's been alluded to by a couple of other callers. Surely their business does not hinge on Grey Gables. I mean, they must have other contracts. I mean, how much cheese does Grey Gables consume? And Glyn is quite right. When have you ever been presented with a plash of cheese in a posh hotel and been asked to unwrap your cheese? I mean, it's just a joke. Absolute joke. And actually, Helen should have jumped at Pat's solution straight away. Oh, go away and think about it. Yeah. Glenn is on the money, he's on the cheese and it's it's Ardell 6, Helen and Tom nil. And now here's a question. What's the connection between the invasion of Ukraine and George? Richard in Poland can tell us. Fourth time like I'm not very good at this WhatsApp on the phone. I wonder how succession at home farm is going to be impacted. Brian coming down so firmly on the side of Stella and trying to force Adam to apologise. I think that's a big story in the history of the village. I think Anna will undoubtedly have plenty of opportunities to talk to Neil about what's happened. That will reach Susan, and I wonder if Susan will talk to Emma, and Emma will eventually go around and apologise to Hannah. 
as she did mention about the fact that she feels that Hannah might have been right about the Georgian women. Lyman Elgib, I'm baffled by Georgia's strategic plan. Reminds me a bit of that Russia on our border with Poland, where some people want a happy, prosperous Russia. Other people think that York is better to have a weak Russia, even if it's hungry and dangerous. And I feel that George is dangerous and better off weak. It's a bit of a tangent. Apart from that, I'm pondering whether I'll bump into Freddie on the streets of Lisbon, recruiting people to do cross-Atlantic sailing trips in bars. Doesn't seem to be the smartest idea. And... Freddie, I mean, just quit his job. It's obviously, I know what to about Freddie. I just feel he should stay there, except not in my city. And what's happened to Vince? Bye. Good to hear from you as ever, Richard. Sounds like he's on the move, doesn't it? A man of mystery. Where is he? Is he Lisbon, did he say? Is that right? Yes, he's about to... Uh, yes, I think he's in the airport, which is why we've got the background noise, right. and then uh, bumping into Freddie in Lisbon. It's funny, at this Rock Oyster Festival I, I referred to in Cornwall that we went to last week, there was this marquee that my daughters dragged me into because they know I like a bit of dance music and it was just like this techno dance tent like do, 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 all that sort of stuff and there was nobody in there apart from us <clears throat> so we were just doing our bit and the DJ reminded me of Freddie <laughs> it was a young oh, lad really? I mean the arches follows you around everywhere doesn't it I'd like to say that we then built the crowd because when we went back there later it was heaving so we created that crowd oh. we supported Freddie in in Cornwall. And Richard's idea that I, I'm I'm I can't believe Hannah will sit on her hands and not tell Neil what's going on. For goodness sake, they they work together. She, she's bound to sort of tell him that she's having to move out and the reasons why. So I really hope that George gets his comeuppance and you know, Will is wavering anyway, he feels bad about it. So hopefully it'll get back, but will it be too late? Because George's evil plan is to evict her, isn't isn't it? And yes, I like this idea of, of George it's better to have a weak enemy on the borders than a strong and dangerous one. So hopefully George can be weakened. But, you know, it could be a long campaign, Richard. How is Freddie paying for this trip if he's not actually being a DJ? I mean, I stand corrected. It turns out there's lots of rays and music in Lisbon that I wasn't aware of last week. But it, it doesn't sound like Freddie is working. He's just holidaying. But how he, has he got the money for this? And yes, what has happened to Vince? I just hope that Elizabeth has actually finally put Vince in his place for being so awful to Ben. But she loves him she loves him well thank you Richard so much and now we go to Laura who has crumbled like a Wensleydale hi everyone it's Laura again on the what's that a ring I just wanted to ring in to just apologize for mentioning Ardell and Grey Gables last week oh my goodness this week's storyline about cheese has just been a bit cringeworthy hasn't it for me if Ada was getting involved in this level of detail about everything at Grey Gables, no wonder it's taking so long for the bloody place to open. I mean, yeah, it just felt a bit unrealistic for me and just this whole chat of cheese continuously drove me a bit mad. Anyway, have a good week, everyone. Bye. Oh, Laura, lovely to hear from you again and no apology required at all. I'm just interested who you're going to mention next week and who will suddenly mysteriously turn back up. You are like your mystic Meg. You've got the premonition powers there, Laura. So no, absolutely no apology needed. I liked Stella and Ruth saying that they love the harvest but then two seconds later, Paul Weaver's hurt. So, yeah, you, you just never know. You say one thing and it's all nice and then something else happens. So, yeah, Laura, honestly, no need. Please keep calling in. We'd love to hear your calls. Yeah, we'll, we'll cringe with you, Laura. Don't worry. We're here to cringe. 
together. That's what Dumpty Dum is all about. And that is the true sign <laughs> of a genuine Archers listener. <laughs> we cringe to get. We all cringe together. Yeah, I like that very much. No, thank you so much, Laura. And now we go on to Witherspoon and why honest is not for the chop just yet. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, P and Q, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here shedding a tear after Friday's episode and reflecting on a week free of the shenanigans of Rob and George. But poor Weaver, ironic that Stella is so organized and aware of potential risks when it comes to the farm. Look how she reacted to Kate and her bonfire, but it only takes a moment's loss of concentration or a series of ill-timed occurrences for something bad to happen. I recommend a little-known 1964 film about an airplane crash called Fate is the Hunter, starring Rod Taylor, Suzanne Plachette, and Glenn Ford that further explores this theme. Funny, the archers this week also made me think a lot about the father of this country. Are Brits familiar with the parable of young George, hey, that's Washington, not Grundy, and the cherry tree? I was reminded of it when Stella said that the cherry trees would have to go. Well, in the famous American legend, when George Washington was a child, he received a hatchet as a present and proceeded to chop down his father's favorite tree. He may have only damaged it, after all, he was only six. But when his father confronted him, George immediately fessed up and uttered the famous line, I cannot tell a lie, I chopped down the tree. Washington's father then embraced him with forgiveness and lauded his honesty, saying that was worth more than a thousand cherry trees. Well, we do know the story did not actually occur, but it's a good lesson for young people. If our two young men heard the story, did they learn from it? George Grundy clearly did not. But has Brad taken it too much to heart? Maybe. He's a very anxious fellow, and I think meets criteria for social anxiety disorder, and I wonder about some obsessive-compulsive features as well. More on all this another time. Talk to you soon. Great to hear from you, Witherspoon, as ever. Y- yes, I'm glad you've, you brought up your concerns about, about Brad, because he, he, he was... He was beside himself wasn't he with Eddie he was he was wringing his hands he was so worried and frightened and and I was thinking what are you what are your problems and of course step forward an expert like with a spoon and he is suggesting that he has social anxiety issues and potentially OCD as well so we shall see how, how those those develop and I like you know at least you are relating him to your nation's first president and the value of honesty even if you do chop down your dad's favorite cherry tree <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is what we need, the voice of knowledge. And yes, Brad, neurospicy. Yeah, absolutely. But Witherspoon knows far better than I would. I did not know that story about George Washington. I'm just wondering and worrying about things coming in three. So last Friday we had Henry and Rob. It was awful to listen to. This Friday we had Weaver. It's the first time I haven't been able to listen at least twice to an episode of The Archers. So I apologise for that. Next Friday, what are we going to have? Do we have things in threes let's hope not i can't think of a three two's bad i mean helen and doubles duos are bad enough helen and tom what more do you want yeah that's true very good well from new york to kansas now and jenny has a first for us swd on dtd only you could write that (laughs) very late at night i tell you hi this is jenny in kansas i'm a first time caller in or 
I'm a biologist, and last Friday there was a minor plot point that relates to my expertise. When Adam put in the cherry trees years ago, I made a prediction to myself, because it wouldn't have made sense to anyone else, that he was going to have a problem with SWD, spotted wing drosophila, which has a scientific name, Drosophila suzukii. Drosophila suzukii is one of the flies that I study. Last week, Stella gave SWD as a reason to get rid of the cherries, saying that they will be problematic in the future if they have rotting cherries lying around. Yet Hong Farm should have had a problem with SWD for years. The species invaded the south of England in 2012, and the economic losses and crop damage in Britain alone are estimated to be 20 to 30 million pounds a year. Most Drosophila females lay eggs only on rotting fruit, but female SWD lay eggs directly on ripening soft fruits, and the larvae ruin the fruit. So just because home farm would have rotting fruit if they didn't pick the cherries doesn't necessarily mean they would have more SWD than they would have from ripening cherries. Stella must have been spraying the fruit with insecticide all along to save the crop. That will be a big expense she will save by getting rid of the trees. If home farm still has strawberries, those should be under attack as well. Just thought I'd share what I know about the excuse for getting rid of the cherry trees. The problem should not have been news to Adam and Brian. Thank you all for dum dum As you might imagine, in Kansas, I don't have anyone to talk to about the archers, so dum dum fills the gap. Jenny, first time caller in welcome. Welcome to the party. Do call again. Yes, I mean, Adam and Brian and this disease, should it, it should have been a problem for years. I mean, in many ways, Ambridge is in a time warp. And that's why we haven't heard of this before, that yes, any other cherry farm would have encountered this, but not in Ambridge. It's a bit like the Prisoner TV series, I think. Ambridge and the Archers. I just keep trying to work out who the prisoner is. Maybe it's us. Well, J- Jenny, I've got this lovely image. Uh, thanks for calling in. Great to hear from you. I have this image of of Jenny on her lonesome in a vast prairie in Kansas. There she is, huddled by her radio, listening to the Archers, the only Archers listener in Kansas. And we have found her. You have found your home, Jenny. <laughs> Bless. Another expert, another expert. We had Jen before, we had Witherspoon, and now we've got Jenny, who certainly knows her onions, if not her cherries. And interesting to know that actually these trees could have been blighted even if they hadn't, if the fruit hadn't fallen on the ground, if it, you know, had bloomed, been left on the tree. And beware our strawberries as well. This, this horrible SWD could affect our strawberries. So another informative call, Jenny. So you might be there speaking to yourself in Kansas, but you've now got our ear as well. So please do call in again. <laughs> and now we go to Carol, who's quietly shouting from on high. Hello, P&Q and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Carol from the Highlands. I had a bit of catching up to do last weekend because it was the Belladrum Tartan Heart Music Festival, or Glastonbury, but better up here in the Highlands. Anyway, I'm caught up now and I'm wondering why we had to lose Weaver. I mean, I think I must have been asleep when he first arrived in Ambridge. I've no idea when he came or anything. Just can't remember it. But anyway, I am devastated about Weaver and I I miss Weaver already. With all the other stuff going on, why did they have to kill Weaver? Anyway, so the Fet shenanigans is rumbling on and it's so tedious. And also I wanted to mention the cheese labelling. Who else was shouting at their radios or their, their phones or whatever it is we use nowadays. Who is saying to Pat, just put on the packet. 
especially Pat for Grey Gables. It it was the answer, and it took her all day to to do that. Anyway, I expect we'll be back to normal next week. We're we're going to have a bit of George and Henry and a bit of Henry and Roll. So can't wait for that. And I just wanted to mention the charging station because it's actually ha- happening up here in the Highlands. There's a proposed charging station. And nearby us, there's a little village with a post office and local cafe and shops, and they are feeling very threatened. So full marks to the scriptwriters for getting that current issue. So that's all I have to say, and I hope everyone's well, and take care. Lovely to hear from you, Carol, from Them There Highlands. You're not alone in Scotland for your bereavement felt about Weaver because a good friend of this podcast, Rosie Porcy, tweeted, she doesn't ever hold back, does our Rosie, and she loves her animals, and she tweeted, why have the Archer scriptwriters bumped off a lovely rescue dog and left the following F-wits alive? George, Tom, Will, Justin, Eddie and Emma. I'm very annoyed. And then she adds, the fate better involved the ritual sacrifice of George, Rob and Miles, anything else, and I'll be extremely disappointed. They don't hold back in Scotland, do they? Because Rosie lives in, in Edinburgh. Bravo, Rosie. Yeah, yeah. So you've got, you've got an ally there, Carol, in, in Edinburgh. So Weaver's death has, has, has prompted great wailing on various outlets, and we share your pain, Carol. And please call in again. Oh, we absolutely do. And this e-charging, so the Arches is accurately reflecting something that's happening in the real world. Who knew? Call in with more updates as they happen, Carol. We we need to know. But those are the calls. Thank you so much for calling in. We love them. Do call again next week. So on to emails. Do we have an email in a queue? Do you know how mad you sound when you say that? Just normal. Yeah, OK. Good afternoon, P&Q and all Dumpty Dummers. Oh, my days. Helen is so delusional at times. Last week, when asked by Tom if she was OK, she seemed to think that as Rob was dying, he was out of her life. Surely he is now at his most dangerous, as he has nothing left to lose. I fear that we have only just begun to hear of his manipulation of both Henry and Lee, which will lead to the end of Helen and Lee's relationship. Then she convinced herself that Ardell would be falling over himself to order her mozzarella. She sounded so entitled in Sunday's episode. If she doesn't wake up to reality soon, I'll be emailing in again. Whoopee. That Louisa can portray a character who should be attracting our sympathy in a way that winds up so many of us shows her brilliant acting. Loving the podcast. It is just over a year since I started listening and I'm enjoying the different perspectives the various presenters bring to the podcast. Thank you, Christine, otherwise known as Gadget Girly. Thank you, Christine. We are entirely and completely in agreement with you on every point, I think. I can't think of anything I disagree with there. (laughs) No, absolutely. And she said she will be emailing in again soon if Helen doesn't wake up to reality. There'll be, yes, Christine, get emailing because there's going to be more of it. But anyway, let's move on to Facebook. And we need to say an how-do to you too. Steve, Neil, Anna Day, Thamar, Terry. Jules, Beth, Sarah, Charlotte, Gemma and Sarah or Sarah, depending on how you... I reckon it's a Sarah. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup with Rob. Hello there, everyone. It's the other much nicer Rob for the social media roundup. It was a cheesy start to the week, but Panda Lai spotted something more sinister. Anyone else notice Helen projecting Rob Titchener onto affable Adil Shah when recording a conversation, not a business meeting, with Adil from over a year ago and declaring 
It's as if it never happened, and he's pretending it never happened. Get some perspective, Helen. Adil hasn't been sat round thinking about mozzarella for a whole year. He's been renovating Grey Gables. The conversation about cheese from a year ago isn't an oath of allegiance, especially when you haven't stayed in touch like you said you would. Claire Hinckley thought along similar lines. I'm finding the Archer family attitude to a deal and the cheese irritating. What makes them think they should always be on the top of the pile? You missed the deadline. Why should he make exceptions for you over everyone else? The world doesn't revolve around you, Helen. Paul Norris asked a question which I'm sure a certain Mr. Grundy of Ambridge could have answered in a heartbeat. Other than being a village uniting social occasion, does anybody know what the point of the fate is? There's clearly money changing hands, tombola, tea tent, white elephant. One even referred to it as a money spinner. But where does the surplus cash go? This year is clearly intended for the Eddie Grundy Cider Fund, but what is the usual deserving cause? Witherspoon picked up on the words of a continuity announcement, and tomorrow, disaster strikes at home farm. That's a continuity teaser, he said. Any guesses? Stephen Bowden went with Tom gets crushed when the tractor is driving overturns. Amy Gilbert thought, something to do with the dear cherries? Maybe somebody falls off a ladder and seriously hurts themselves? Rosie Johnson wondered if Pat might run out of soup while somebody called Quentin Rayner suggested Adam might come back. But Helen Rebecca took the Fortune Teller of the Week award with, I think that Stella's doggy might get run over by the fancy tractor. Being right about something might be a whole new experience for you, Helen, but I'm sure it won't be the only time. Rita Ferreira followed up with, Gosh, that was super sad. Paul Weaver. Bruce really couldn't control a greyhound? That seems strange to me. Personally, I've lost a fair bit thanks to a greyhound, but that was a white city dog track. Kate Penfold mentioned what may be a blossoming friendship. I really like both Mia and Chelsea this evening. They were both keen not to let their antipathy towards each other impact on Brad. I hope they will remain cordial, even though I don't expect them to become besties. Personally, Kate, I'm looking forward to them becoming the new Susan and Clary over the next 50 years. And that is it for this week. I look forward to another week of fun and follicles on the Dum Dum Facebook pages and hope to be in touch with all of you there. Be warned though, when the chat starts, you can be there for hours. Bye now. Thank you so much, Rob. That was great. And thanks to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. Now to Twitter, where you'll find us at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired who use screen readers can enjoy any Archers based tweets. As well as at Dumpty Dum, I can be found with my bookish musings at Quick Book Review with a three, not a W. And I can be found at 13 Minute Man. That's one three minute man. So let's find out who has won the Twitter medals this week. Hello, it's Fry here. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Philippa, Quentin, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen and everyone else who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week on Twitter, there's been a lot of discussion of the bad luck that seems to strike the dogs of Ambridge. From dogs long ago belonging to young Will Grundy and Hazel Woolley, via Scruff, all the way to Weaver. Our own Ambridge Pony Club tweeted an awful lot of varieties of rudeness to Alistair for his lack of veterinary skills and now I think she's ready to report him to his professional body for his failure to operate on Weaver when he was first injured. As well as veterinary concerns there was quite a lot of cheese related humour of various types 
and irritation at the general lack of professionalism at Bridge Farm, whether it's their instant rebranding plans or going to a crucial pitch without providing any numbers. And so to my medals for Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's newcomer Pixie H, at Pixie H, who I suspect spoke for many when she tweeted, I'm more emotionally invested in Weaver's plight than I ever have been in Helen's saga. To be honest, I care more for Molly Button than the awful cheesemonger. (laughs) Well, I've outed myself as a Helen fan before now, but I take the point about Weaver. The silver medal goes to Ian, who has rebranded himself as Ian Keltstock at Kernow27. I hope Ardil goes to Lidl or Aldi to get better, cheaper cheese than Helen's. I think Aldi, as it's an anagram of his name. <laughs> and the gold medal goes to Miranda at Apple Android App, who I was delighted to meet at the recent London Dumpty Dum meetup. Is the fate going to be a triumph of collaboration between oppressive Snell and dodgy Eddie? Sort of horrible history meets farcical ferret. <laughs> I'm liking it, and I'm sure they're going to pull it out of the bag at the last minute. Well, that's it for this week. Hope to see you all on Twitter next time. Thank you for that purple pumpkin and congratulations to all who were mentioned in this week's roundup, but especially those medal winners. Who were in bronze at Pixie H, in silver at Kernow27, ah, from Cornwall, good on you, and in gold at Apple Android App. Miranda, one of my favourites. And don't forget, we are on Instagram. You can find us at Dumpty Dum. Next week's episode will be hosted by myself and Stephen. So contributions, as always, by end of play on Friday, please. Well, as we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our wonderful contributors and to our social media supremos. The whole Dumpty Dum team are amazing. And we must say thank you, of course, to Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting parents who gave birth to this podcast, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm off to make plant labels in Latin. So it's a bye bye from me. And I'm running away like a greased pig. So it's bye bye from me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 